0: You are now tuned into the Tell Show. Tell on everything. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, girl, hey. How you doing? I'm good, girl. Good. I'm excited about today's show. Yes, me, me, me too. Um, so, guys, we don't know if you know, but this month is uh, May, and it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And today, we have a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine and colleague, um, Dev. And Dev, you can give your whole government name if you want to, but there it is. (laughs) I'm just saying Dev, okay? (laughs) I'm into it. Yes, when we pass the mic over to him, he'll tell you a little bit um, of his background, But we chose him because um, he has a very, very inspirational story that we guys want you to hear to kick off um, this series for mental health awareness. So, Dev, um, I want to give our viewers a little bit, or listeners, excuse me, a little bit of background on how um, you and I met. So let's just kick off the love fest with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really is a love affair. Um, <laughs> we met, um, so Chantel and I, well, all three of us work for the same company. Yeah, And um, we met what, I guess it was like four years ago. Yeah. Can you believe it, it's yeah, been that 2016, long? Yeah, <laughs> um, And I had just got out of training in my role of a department manager, and I was sent like super last minute to a store opening in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it just so happened that Chantel was there as well. Yes. And, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, H&M has brought so many people into my life. And I'm sure the two of you can agree that as well. There's, Indeed. Um, but there's, with a lot of people coming together, there's a lot of personalities and a lot of strong energy. And I can just remember my experience of training was, you know, a 10-week training period. And I was constantly meeting all these people. And it was you know, kind of intimidating. And and it definitely, I felt nervous a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember meeting you, Chantel. And just like, (laughs) as soon as I walked into the room, I heard you laughing and I was like, okay, I got to know who she is. (laughs) I just knew like this person is like, you know, and this is before any kind of like faith or anything came into my life. I was just trusting like, all right, something's going right here. And oh my god. I just I love remember that. From, from then on out. It was, you know, we did the opening together and I mean, no shade, but it wasn't the best time in our lives. It was very no.
0: stressful. Yes, very <laughs> but very. we
1: we had a we, you know, we came together and I, I mean I spent all every day with you. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes, yes. And Chanel, I just cannot tell you. Um our energy, our our optimism, the positivity. It was, it was the same. And I jokingly say this, both of us had that vision or purpose in our mind that, listen, we're going to be, be the next D team, district team for all of you who don't work retail. We kind of like put that in motion. But the bigger picture is that we both had um, ambition on our mind. We both um, wanted to grow in our careers at that time, um, and we wanted to, to to empower each other, and that's what I really got from my initial um meeting with Dev. I just loved loved how um happy you were, and it, you it was infectious. And so yeah, and we did multiple store openings together. Even when you went to Penn State and you moved along um to that store, I was able to reunite with him. But I've always loved him Chanel since then they'll wow. do like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yes. Well, I just, you know, honestly, we kind of connected um, via Instagram and honestly, your personality, Dev, it just, it just really exudes so much good energy. You have a wonderful spirit and it's very uh, contagious, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, just, that you and I were able to connect on that level um, via Instagram. I'm like, Oh, okay. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pretty, that's, that's pretty cool. And it says a lot about you, you know, as a person that you're so open and you're transparent, and then you just have that um, very um, easygoing spirit about yourself. So yeah, that's wonderful.
1: Well, thank you. And I have to say that before all of this uh, COVID-19 stuff kind of happened, there was a workshop that was supposed to happen that we were both on the list. for, yes, And I remember yes. seeing it and I was like, I'm finally going to meet her in person. Like this is, <laughs> this is finally happening. And then of course everything was canceled and here we are on our couches, but yes. you know, so eventually it will happen. We will be in person and we will meet, you know, but I feel the same way. I mean, it's, I've always loved Chantel. Um, <laughs> and I knew she had this twin out there somewhere. Doing yes. thing, I was like, someday.
0: Yeah. Awesome, it, awesome. So, uh, you know, just to uh, get right into it, how are you doing so far with everything going on, the COVID-19? How are you managing?
1: You know, I feel, and it's crazy when I say this out loud to some people, but mm-hmm. the, I'm honestly the happiest that I, I think I've ever been in the 27 years that I've been on this earth. Yes. This form. Um I I was in Delaware when the coronavirus outbreak kind of started in this country, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was supporting a store there. Um, and you know, I was, I was sent there for a a difficult task for work. So I was really hyper-focused on just like, you know, work, 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 like I'm here to do a job. And I started meeting some great people in the area and, and through my recovery community and I was really loving my time there. And then it kind of came to an end abruptly. And, I, when I, as soon as I got back to Pittsburgh, which is where I'm living right now, I just kind of said to myself, like, okay, like, you know, you have two weeks off. So just do, just take the time. Like you never get this time. You never have time to just be with yourself. Mm-hmm. And and then of course it, two weeks turned into three, which turned into a furlough, <laughs> which turned into here we are. I don't know when I'm going back to work. Yes. Um, but I really felt, you know, those first couple weeks of 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 all of us being in this, like, either working from home or not working at all or whatever mm-hmm. situation you were in, like, there was from out the gate a lot of pressure, I felt like, from social media and TV and, and media of just like, if you're not coming out of this, like, and you guys have talked about this before on an earlier episode that I super related with. But it, you know, oh, the, I love the narrative it. was like, if you're not coming out of this with like a side hustle and like 18 different languages, <laughs> I and
0: <like> love it. <laughs> losing a
1: hundred pounds, like you, you, you know, you, you don't need anything. And I just couldn't identify with that. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to stay quiet. I'm going to take small steps to, you know, make this time enjoyable for myself, but I'm not out there trying to do anything crazy and more power to anybody who is, I, you know, we all have our own journeys, but after giving myself that space to just be and to just accept what was happening and really understand that like i have no power over any of this like mm. i'm not god i can't take the coronavirus away anytime soon so right. i just need to be here and it's been so incredibly wonderful to you know work on my recovery connect with old friends take the time to listen to my friends who are doing podcasts or have a YouTube channel or have a blog or whatever it may be. Love it. And I just feel so full and connected. And honestly, like wow. my perspective of what matters to me has shifted so dramatically that I, I don't know what, look, what life looks like for when we do go back to work and, and what my career <laughs> yes. looks like because I, I, I have a different idea of what it means to be successful now.
0: Oh my God, that that is so so good. Like you touched on so many points. Yeah, the um, adjectives, uh, full, being full. That that means so much. My goodness, mm-hmm. um, and it goes right into um, one of the first things that we want to talk about: the importance of men- mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you said a lot of key things, and I just want you to expound upon them. Um, what what's important to you when it comes to mental health? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, so um, I feel like I should put a a statement out that I am not any way, shape, or form an expert on any of these things that I'm about to talk about. This is my experience, Mm -hmm. so uh, take it or leave it. Um, And if anybody wants more information on any of the things I mentioned, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, But I find that for me, I've struggled with mental health my entire life. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, growing up as a young gay boy in a very very small town um a red town if you will um in central Pennsylvania I was the only gay person um you know there was I I grew up in 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 an area where like we didn't even have anybody that wasn't white and if they Mm. if they if there was somebody that was a different skin color than me it was it was like rare and generally they didn't grow up in the area somehow like randomly they happened to be there so that you know just you can imagine for anybody listening like the mindset of that town was different Mm -hmm. because we just you know they they weren't exposed to things that you know you're exposed to when you grow Mm -hmm. up in an area that has a lot more diversity um of course you know my story includes bullying my story includes fear and anxiety at all times of just like is someone going to out me before I'm ready to come out is my family going to wow, disown yeah. me? Like all of those things that any, you know, person on the queer spectrum can relate to. Um, so I've struggled a long time. And, and I remember I started therapy when I was 14 years old. My, my grandmother died, my nana, who was like my near and dear, like the, the rock of my family. And pretty much the only member of my family that I was really, really, really close with. And um, wow. she passed away when I was 14, and, and that brought up a lot of grief and a lot of regret about how I dealt with things towards the end of her life. And I immediately started into counseling at my high school, and it kind of went from there. I mean, I was kind of in and out of therapists and counselors, on and off of antidepressants. And then it really just went beyond that to, you know, what later would be an addiction Uh, to drugs Mm -hmm. and alcohol so my experience with mental health has been that my entire life has been the fight to figure out what it means to be mentally well or Mm -hmm. or you know healthy mentally spiritually and really also like what it means to take your own journey in that because in our society now there's a lot of self-help books, a lot of people who come on to podcasts and claim to, you know, do these things and you'll be happier or do these things. And I've, for me, have had to find what works for me. And right. and that comes from my recovery program, which led me to a relationship with a power greater than myself, which I choose to call mm. God. But um, you can call it whatever you want. It's, it's a power that we're all entitled to. And um, that's really what has changed the game for me.
0: Oh, that is so that's just deep death. So I know that when you said, um, especially being, um, you know, as, as you said, definitely being gay and, you know, being you have spoken about this on, on many fronts, just not being able to be who you are. Um, how, how can you talk about the significance of that, of keeping that secret and that fear of um, not wanting to be outed uh, by a time in which you weren't ready? Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the unfortunate thing about being, you know, now an adult and having to go back through in therapy and kind of rework some of the trauma of when we're younger is it uh, is like when we're kids and when we're, you know, little um, and young, we are just so vulnerable to so much. And yes. and, and the slightest yes. little thing can can set us up for like the most extreme things later on in life. And I think that's a really big thing for me has been, Having to keep that secret and, and feeling like I didn't belong or I wasn't, you know, there was something wrong with me. You know, shame is feeling that you are wrong. Guilt is, is I did something wrong. Shame is, I am wrong. And for so long, I grew up thinking I am wrong. There is something wrong with me and, and, and I need to, you know, I need to do this in order to get closer to what is right. And, you know, I've I've been able to unpack a lot of that work and realize that, like, there was not a lot I could do about my circumstances. But the thing is, is, is what makes me sad now is how much fear rolled my life back then. You know, just like not wow. being, I was a child and I can remember, like, birthday parties. I come from a family of divorce. So I had a lot of grandparents. I had step-grandparents, blood grandparents, like, everyone in my family's divorced. And the one thing that my family did right they did a lot of things wrong, but the one thing they did right was they always showed up for me. So I have all these memories of birthday parties and and Christmases and, and things like that with a ton of extended family members of all different, and everyone put a smile on for, for my sake. But my memories are always of how fearful I was, of like, wow. you know, what if this happens? Or, you know, what if I spend too much time talking to that member of the family and not enough with this one? Like, I was such a scared child that, I, wow. I couldn't let myself enjoy anything. I robbed myself of, of the joy of just being in a family. And I spent so much time longing for what my friends had in their families and looking back on it, like it was there. It was just, wow. I was conditioned to not accept it because I was so fearful of what would happen if I was truly myself.
0: Wow. wow. Now, when it comes to um, Dev speaking about mental health, Why do you think there's so much of a taboo um, when people hear about that? I feel like people just naturally just go into a shell Mm -hmm. of secrecy and they hide. What do you you think? You know, why does that happen?
1: I think that one of the things as a society now that we struggle with the most is we struggle to accept things that we cannot see. And mm. I think that we're seeing it right now firsthand with this coronavirus. We cannot see it. We might not be able to see the reper- or the repercussions of the, the virus if nobody in our life has unfortunately had to suffer from it. So we have a hard time really believing what we cannot see. And I mental health, mm. a lot of times there is no, you can't see it. Um, and we only want to talk about the things even with mental health. I've noticed like, you know, we we want to talk about an eating disorder when a woman is you know ninety pounds on their deathbed from starving themselves with anorexia, but we don't want to talk about the girl who, you know, is overweight or looks healthy in a, in a normal sense or whatever that would be that's still struggling with anorexia and is still obsessing over her his or her food, and and is still just as sick as that person. Like it's like we need the extreme to accept it, mm-hmm. and and I yes, think that that's yes. what you know. Because I've done that myself. I identify now as a 27-year-old that I have struggled with eating disorders before. But I always told myself, like, no, I, I, didn't, I don't have an eating disorder. I'm A, not skinny. B, I'm not, like, starving myself. But I can tell you that as a person, I, am, I, I can be super food obsessed. And I can go on a crash diet. And I can work out, you know, run seven miles after I eat a cheeseburger because I feel guilty. That's an eating disorder. That's the same thing as somebody who, you know, has the stereotypical symptoms of an anorexia or a bulimic. Um, So I think that as a society, like it's, we want the extremes and, and I think it's hard. And I also think that our generation is pushing forward a lot of boundaries right now. And we see it in the LGBT community, LGBTQ community, where it's, you know, we're seeing a lot of different gender identities and a lot of people are talking about it and it, it opens the conversation in a great way but it also allows for like it's hard to know where to, to turn to in the conversation because everybody can kind of contribute their own um, thoughts on it now and I think that we also want like an expert opinion you know what I mean like, like yeah. we're more inclined to listen to somebody who has letters beside their name then say, mm. oh, my friend down the street is, you know, trans or is has an eating disorder, is in recovery from an addiction to drugs and alcohol. Let me talk to them and see their experience. We would rather just like read a book about it and, and, and get that fact. So I think it's hard to talk mm. about it. I think there's shame involved. You know, it's still very shaming. It's, it's not, um, mental illness is not in any way, shape or form something that's, you know, attractive to be a part of or to be in, it's it's ugly. And it's hard to like, admit that you're involved in it, whether it's because you're suffering from it, or someone you love suffers from it. And I think that also makes a lot of people um, turn away from it in a time where we care so much about what our image is. And it just doesn't fit the brand a lot of times.
0: Wow. Wow, that's really deep. And I just want to add to your point with everything that you just said. I also believe that there is a Um, a hint of vulnerability that needs to be displayed when you talk about mental health. Um, And I think that's something, especially we see it in our leadership, um, as leaders in the workforce, um, having that sense of vulnerability. Hey, I don't know how to do that particular task, but I know you know how to do it. Can you empower me with the tools so that I can bring it forth? Those kind of, you know, that vulnerability is something that we are not um, as a society Mm culture to have. And that's something that um, I think plays a huge role uh, when we get to talk about mental health, um, you know, mental wellness um, again. Um, and I'll tell you this, Deb, just to be quite honest with you, um, I can tell you in the African-American community, it's always been a taboo thing. People don't talk about um, wellness like mothers going through postpartum depression. Honestly, I've seen it spoken more openly with, um, you know people of other races especially you know white people in general they'll come out and say hey you know white women hey i you know i'm going through this i kind of you know and 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 our culture that's something that um is slowly but surely coming to the surface but historically it's something that was hidden a woman just that's had right. to do you know what i mean you just had to go through that and nobody taught you the angst of the parenthood and stuff like that so um, I think it's culturally involved. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree with you one hundred percent. The vulnerability piece is what's missing in everything, and it's it's the yeah. we need to yes. be strong. And so many people view being vulnerable as being weak. When it's the actually the yeah. opposite. Yes. I mean, being vulnerable is this is the most courageous thing that you could possibly do, and therefore the most the most strength you can have is when you're being vulnerable. And I listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago with um, Tarana Burke, who Founded the Me Too movement um, w- well before the Twitter hashtag became a thing, and she built the yes. Me Too movement. It started just like Nell tell on everything, an idea and a, and a, <laughs> a you know a dream, and it, it became the reality that it is now. But um, it started with building. She she says building empathy through community, and that mm. that, that fact of, of being able to say if I'm somebody who's a sexual assault survivor being able to say, I went through this, and then somebody telling me, me too, is so much more impactful than somebody saying, I'm sorry that you went through that. And so much with mental health. And I think this is why recovery groups work so well. Because if I come to you guys and say, I'm really, I'm really down today. I'm really depressed. I'm living in a lot of fear, you know, whatever it may be. And you guys say, I'm really sorry that that's happening. I'm gonna feel othered. I'm gonna feel shamed. I'm gonna feel like, ooh, they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if you guys say to me, me too, this is what I'm this is what I'm struggling with, then we build that community and we can find a solution to get through it together.
0: Yes. Oh, that's powerful. <laughs> so powerful. Truly. And I 100 wholeheartedly believe in that. And that's a good spin because I've never heard it said in that way, but that's going to make me conscious because I do feel like exactly to your point, Deb, when you do say, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that, that does kind of close the door. On mm-hmm. going further and explaining what you're going through versus when you say that me too and you're opening up with that vulnerability, that word again, right? Then you guys are getting through it together. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so with that said, can you talk about some of the battles, battles you faced in dealing with, um, you know,
1: mental health? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, I identify as an addict. Um, a recovering addict, but through and through, I have the disease of addiction, and it primarily came out through drugs and alcohol. Um, but now that I've I've had some time away from the drugs and alcohol, I can see very clearly how easily it is for my addiction to come out in other ways. I've mentioned food is a big one for me, and exercise. Um, you know, being. Mm. I mean at this point just being alive in 2020 the pressure of being a certain body type is still just as bad as it was years ago. I think it's even worse yes. now because of social media and you know you it's you know there's so many rules that are set up by god knows who by nobody because like we should ignore them right. all but so I struggle, you know, as a gay man, I I, I want to be desired. I want to be skinny. I want to be thin, but you don't want to be too thin. You want to be muscular because, you know, you want to be strong, but you don't want to be too strong. Like, it's ridiculous. And, I, it so, is, you know, the, the disease of addiction for me will come out in any sort of way, whether it's hmm. if I'm not drinking and using drugs, like I'm still shopping. I'm still going to the, you know, the, the store and, and impulse buying or I'm, you know, I'll look for it in love. I mean, I think. One big thing that nobody wants wow. to talk about at all is sex and love, kind of addictions of like, yes. I'll go it in another person if I can't get it from a drug or an alcohol, and I am feeling I'm not feeling whole myself. Like the first thing I'll do is try to find it in another person, and and it's a struggle. It's a it's a it's a constant every day, one day at a time. I mean, we don't say that in the recovery community for no reason. I mean, it truly is one day at a time, and I think mental health in general is the same way. You know, we don't know how much life we're supposed to live or how much life we get to live. We really only know we are here right now. And I tell my, there are certain days where I just tell myself like, okay, no bad day will last forever. Like no good day lasts forever. No bad day lasts forever. So like, okay, today's a a crappy day tomorrow. You know, I just need to make it through today. We'll see what tomorrow brings. Um, because I need to hold on to just staying present. Um, And I I think through my, my battle with addiction too, um, it's, it's all led me to what I think is totally missing in, in our society at large, which is why I've been so supportive of your podcast and our friend Janaya and her business of fashioned in favor, because I think what's missing and I'll go back to what I said before with we refuse to believe what we cannot see, or we have a hard time yes. believing what we cannot see. And I think what's changed my life so much is my relationship with a power greater than myself, which I choose to call God. Um, oh, I love and that. I, I really, you know, and I used to roll my eyes and, and like, I was not a faithful person before I was not faith based at all. I had, I wow. and I would cringe when people would say, you just need some God in your life. And I would be like, no, I need, like, more money, a husband, to not be crazy, to, like, be skinnier. Like, I need all these other things. I don't need God. Like, please step back. And now right. I'm here, you know, 27 years old, single, probably the chunkiest I've ever been and loving myself <laughs> for it because <laughs> I, really, know that like, it. I, have, I have faith now. And I know that no matter what happens, I could be poor on the streets with nothing i still have a power greater than myself that will lead me through to the next thing and i'll be okay as long as i have that faith i'll be okay it may not be beautiful it yes, may not be Deb. glamorous but i'll be okay it'll be you know
0: uh, Deb, you Deb, are preaching be- okay? okay you are preaching, preaching my eyes okay that just i mean my spirit man is just bouncing off the walls right now because i'm just so proud of you and, you know, that's so impactful because we built up so much um, allure and faith and material things that do not matter. You can't carry that into yes, the Yes, all line. of those things are informal. They're temporary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And you're building all that reserve, your reservoir, and all of that junk. And then empty, spiritually. You can see people who are millionaires, and they're still, and I hate to say this, you know, jumping off the bridge because they cannot handle – you know, this COVID, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Being down to their last dollar, they don't, because they don't have that greater faith that you're speaking to. And it's very potent and it's very mm-hmm. powerful, Dev. And I'm so glad at 27 that you've come to this place in your life. You know what I mean? It takes people a lifetime to, to talk in the way in which you're speaking, it's, truly. Amen. Well, thank
1: you so much. And I mean, it's it's truly and. It comes from, you, you have to hit a place where faith is the only thing that you believe is going to get you out of it. And, wow. and I'm so lucky that it took me only to 27 to get to that place um, because there are people who lit, who go their whole lives and, and don't get a handle of this thing. And, you know, it's one day at a time. I, 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 there's no guarantee that tomorrow I won't, you know, as we say in the recovery community, like go back out today I'm clean and sober. So that's good. Um, but for me, it's it's I, I had to learn I had to learn that like no boyfriend is going to fill me up. No job is going to fill yeah. me up. No body size or pant size is going to fill me up. No amount of money is going to fill me up. I mean, I Chantal, you know, because we've worked together and we've talked about work. I uh-huh. was I lived and breathed for the organization that we worked for. And I, it was like everything. I mean, I went all over the state of Pennsylvania to support wherever it was that needed me so I could get one step forward in my goal. And in a matter of seconds, all of that was ripped away when they said, we don't need you right now. And there are people that we work with, like our friends that unfortunately, due to a restructuring lost their jobs after decades, you know, yep. 15, yes. 20 years with yep. the company that they're no longer needed and they lost their yes. jobs. And that for me was the moment that I realized like, none of this matters. I could have nah, a nah, million nah. dollars or I could have one dollar or I could have no dollars. It doesn't matter because it could all go right. away in an instant.
0: And an instant and a twinkling mm-hmm. of an eye. Absolutely, Dan. And that's one thing you're um, of course I admire your your work ethic. I always have. You started as a D, you know, a DM with the company, especially, you know, in the um back then, of course, the 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 further PA stores were like the lower volume mm-hmm. stores, you know, all of that. And but you got Penn State, um, and I saw you become an SM and then you started coming back down this end training and the way you spoke and, you know, and I, sh- I saw now that it, your shift forward, you got a couple accolades with that, but just to see that, um, of course, those things are good, but I knew it was something more, you were rooted different. You know what wow. I mean? You got those things, but you were rooted in something else. Um, and so- uh, that just speaks to the growth for you, Deb, Because it's good to have that, uh, but it's good to see that that's not the thing that's been sustaining mm-hmm. you. Because even you know, even for myself now, Deb, I have been furloughed. You know, I just got recently, you know, promoted in January, and now who knows about my job? But I'm to the point where I don't even care because I'm looking to the next thing. I don't care what you know what I mean. I'm like God, mm-hmm. you will know, provide. And if H&M is not it, then it's just not it. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's just where I am in my life. And I'm so glad to hear that you have the same thing. And of course, we've heard a lot of our colleagues, you know, are really, really struggling with this displacement. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I mean, to be honest, when I got the phone call that I was just furloughed, like I I prayed before I got on the phone and I was just like, you know what? Like, this is okay. Like, if I need to be let go today, it'll be okay. I will be fine. I will figure it out. I have, because the other thing that comes along with having faith for me, and this is my story, maybe you both can agree, but for me, having a relationship with a higher power, I believe that, you know, that God can speak through everyone else. So if I have yes. people in my life who also are, you know, believing in God and are, and are walking that walk, I'm going to be all right. It's going to be all right because God's got right. the people in my life that need, that'll get me. And again, like, I know I'm, I'm speaking right now from a place of privilege. I am in an apartment that I can afford to pay the rent right now. Like I have food in the, in the fridge. Like I am in no way, shape or form going to deny that I'm at a place of privilege in this moment. But I also know that even if I wasn't in a place of privilege, like I would still be okay. Cause there's people that I could go to. And that's the gift of working yeah. a program of recovery and having that faith. I love
0: that. I love I that. Love- you brought in full circle. Um, a lot of the questions that we were actually gearing yes. to, I, I love how you kind of narrated your journey, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, Dev, what kind of um, advice would you give to someone on that similar journey? Uh, what kind of, uh, I'm going to say, tools you could give them to stay the course?
1: yeah I mean, I think that uh let me circle back real quick and just kind of give the yes. synopsis of my story a little bit of where my yes, yes, because
0: i I'm sorry to cut you off again, but I want you to really dig into you know if you would you know what was the breaking point and then your quest to recovery, mm-hmm. like all that intertwining with now you're staying the course and how you're doing mm-hmm.
1: that so um I want to be clear and say that I was always a person who assumed that a drug addict or an alcoholic was that person that we see on movies and TV. So someone that's, you know, under mm. a bridge with a, a bottle in a bag or, you know, homeless and has nothing or I, so I never, I, I never could accept that that was me. I didn't start drinking until I was in college. In high school, ironically, I was, like, in the, the sad club, which was Students Against Drunk Driving. And I, like, I, my mom is a nurse, and she's worked in the recovery field for my whole entire life, and she worked at a rehab. And our agreement was you can do whatever you want. Go to any party you want to. You can drive with the car. Like, do what you want, but do not drink and do not use drugs, or I will take you to my work. And I will leave you there until you get some sense in you. So I respected that. I didn't drink in in high school. I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't smoke anything else. Like I was a a straight edge, good, quote unquote, good kid. And I went to college and it just like all went to shit, I guess. (laughs) I, I found what I thought was like my true love. The second that I took my first drink, everything changed. Suddenly, all of the, the straight guys that I used to fear in, in high school wanted to be my friend and wanted to, you know, play beer pong with me or play flip cup. And they accepted me because the alcohol made me able to just freely be myself. So this whole time I was telling wow. myself like, oh, it's the alcohol, when really it was just me letting go of some of that fear because of the effects of the alcohol. Allowed them yes. to see who I was and allowed me to just not give a shit if they liked me or not or if they accepted me. I was just like, I'm here. So for a little bit, it was it was fun. And, you know, Shani, you can remember I was always down for a good time. I was always mm-hmm. one that was like, where are we drinking? Where are we going? Let's, let's go to a club. Let's yep. go dance. Like, I always wanted to be up, up, up. But in the reality of the situation was I was so miserable for so Long, I would go to these these nights out and with friends and, you know, I was thinking like every night needs to be the most epic night of my life. It needs to be like, I'm going to meet all of these people. I'm going to meet my husband. Like, it's going to be a dream come true. And every night I would leave disappointed because my expectations were never fulfilled. Because how could you, you know, how could you fulfill that if I'm putting all that pressure on it? And Mm -hmm. right around the time that I met... Shani, um at Harrisburg in 2016 is when the the drinking and the drug use on the low was getting to be an all time high. I mean, I can remember being at that store opening and I drank every single night.
0: I didn't know that. Deb. I would, I I would just go back that. to my
1: hotel room and I would drink every night. And, you know, when we opened my store in State College, it was the same thing. Like I was that whole store opening. I was drinking every single night. And that just became my life. And the more and more that it went on, the more and more miserable I was. And I I describe it now looking back is like everything was so dark. I was I I, I only wanted to be around people that wanted to, you know, I I say now like I put the kettle away. I don't spill the tea anymore because I just don't want that in my life. (laughs) I don't want to sit around a table and talk about everybody else and and gossip and spread everybody else's dirty laundry like that's not fair And it's not productive Mm -hmm. to me, but that's who I was back then. Like I was always like, Ooh, what, what scoop do you have? Who's doing what? Tell me everything. Like, let's complain. Let's, you know, and I was, it was just so dark all the time. And you know, relationships were coming and going. And of course I was obsessing with them because I was making them my higher power. They were my God. They were going to fix me. They were going to solve everything. And the more that they didn't solve it, the more I drank to make it better, to run from those feelings. And the more I used other drugs until eventually it came to a point where like, I had to go to the hard drugs because the alcohol wasn't even enough.
0: Wow. There came a wow. point
1: where it, 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 out of nowhere, and that's really like the breaking point. I started with trying to get sober in 2017. Um, in May, I had a, a pretty, pretty bad week of, of continuous drug use. Um, and I, sought out, I called a, a friend of mine, um, Chantel, you probably remember her, Nicole uh, from 517. Yep. She, uh, yes. I, I called uh-huh. her and I, you know, I was like, we need to take a walk. I have to, I have to tell you something. And that was the first time I said out loud, like, I think that I have a problem. This doesn't seem right. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I just spent a week using drugs that I would never admit to in a public setting. You know, this wasn't just me smoking a little weed on the weekends and I've been drinking Mm. every single night. Like, I don't know what to do. So she, she helped me find a counselor, a mental health counselor, you know, that she had used and, um. She was like, you know, call her. And I went to counseling and I was like, I just want to stop doing drugs. And my counselor said, well, you're going to have to stop drinking too because alcohol is a drug. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. And I never went, I didn't go back. Because I couldn't handle, I was like the thought of not being able to drink for the rest of my life. Like this is, this is all I have. This is everything. I didn't go back. And I started seeing another guy. I almost got engaged to him. It was, I was manipulating him to do, you know, to fill me up however I needed to be full. And that's the, you know, when it I, I started getting sober after we broke up with him, because I woke up one day and I realized I have not been sober and I can't tell you how long. Like there, I couldn't think of one single day that I went without something in my body, whether it be a drink, whether it be a bunch of drinks, whether it be some drugs or whatever. Like I could not tell you the last time that I didn't have. And now I I don't want to say that like every single day of my life was like a blackout because that wasn't the truth for me. But I can tell you that I could not remember the last time that I didn't pick up something in a single 24 hour period. So that's when I I entered into 12 step work and I you know, started working a program and going through the 12 steps. But there was still something missing. I really couldn't latch on to this idea of a higher power, which is, um, you know, the whole thing we do in the 12-step world is like we get ourselves to trust and have faith in a higher power and, and do some other things that help us, you know, recover or stay in recovery. Yes. But I just couldn't get it. And I, I eventually would have a relapse in um, September of twenty. 20- 18 which was definitely the breaking point it 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 got to the point where I you know I went right back to where I left off and then some and the the addiction had just progressed so much that within you know 33 days I had lost 30 pounds I was alone in an apartment building like strung out nervous a mess like it was the lowest point of my life And that's when I knew something has to change. I have to get this right. I have to start being honest with myself and I have to start doing this work. And that's when I came back into um, the 12-step rooms. I went to rehab to, you know, get myself together. and And I did that for six months. I was in outpatient rehab. So I would go to work in the afternoons and I would go to rehab in the mornings four days a week. And then I would go to, you know, meetings at night. Like it was just like, my life was just, I got to, you know, do recovery. And I've been doing that work um, with one slip. Um, it was like a one day. I, I, we, we joke in, in the recovery community of like, sometimes you just got to do a little bit more experimenting. So I did have a, a one day slip <laughs> where I realized like, Nope, this, this isn't working. So my, my sobriety dates uh, reset. Um, so I am going on a year now, uh, June 24th, God willing, if I make it to June 24th, it'll be one year of continuous sobriety. But I've been doing this journey since 2017, you know, not not, not perfection, it's progress, but um, that's kind of like how it all happened. Um, and honestly, the work I've been able to do during this quarantine on my recovery, I'm so grateful for the time. Really, just dig into some of this stuff, and to realize how fearful I was my whole life, and and to realize how much I resented other people in my life for things that I do to other people too, and 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 just to really take an honest look at myself to see like where I can do better, and and how I can better you know live my life in a way that shows everybody else what god can do because i don't want to tell people about god i don't want to tell people that like the people who told me that i just need god in my life i want to show them what god can do Ooh.
0: wow Ooh, come i on, love it, it. Dan. Dan. oh stay right there okay <laughs> i love it oh goodness wow wow I'm so proud of you I, I'm, I'm just so speechless. I'm just like enjoying this conversation so much. And your testimony is so great, Dev. Um, I know this is going to help so many. Mm-hmm. And I just thank and you I'm- so much for being so um, open to Trans- discussing people. this, mm-hmm. you know, in your journey. It's so real. It's so... It's so potent to to a lot of things um, that's going on on today. And now that a lot of people are in isolation, you never know what they're tormented with mm-hmm. in this time. Mm-hmm. So uh, for you to really um, share this with us, I know it's going to help so many people. Your testimony to God be the glory.
1: Amen, yes. sister. Amen. I, you know, you know Dev, I can not win. I'm just like. I know. <laughs> I mean, I think I love I it. think that it's it's. Uh... To your point, I, I've been fearful, and I have to be careful because I can't project my own fears on other people. But I mean, yeah. we see it—we see everybody drinking all day long, every day. Yes. on Instagram. Yep. And, yes. And I—it I, yep. makes me nervous because I'm like, all right, like how many of these people are actually really? Because that was the thing. Like I was known for being the person that's like bringing the party. Like I yes. wouldn't show up anywhere without alcohol. I wouldn't show up anywhere without a little fun in the bag. And when I started telling people like, nope, I actually, I, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic or what, you know, whatever I choose to identify with, a lot of people struggled with, with accepting that. And, and, and it would, you know, I got a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you, you just need to learn how to drink better, or you just need to slow down or don't drink as much. And I would, you know, that would get in my head. And I would say like, yeah, they're right. But now I know, and my response to those people is, if I could do that, I would already be doing it, but I can't, I can't, have one. I can't have one for all my people out there that go on diets and, and you see like a, a bag of fun size Snickers. Can you just have one of them? Like I cannot just have oh. one of anything.
0: That's right. A-
1: especially not a drink or a drug. It's, it, I cannot do it. I, it, it's not within my ability to just have one. So I do feel for the people that are out there and anybody who listens to this, like if you are sitting at home watching all your friends on Instagram, virtual happy hours, and you're thinking like, ooh, I don't want to be doing this as much and I don't really know how. Like there is plenty of things. There are plenty of solutions. Um and 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 you just have to reach out the hand and somebody somebody will be there. I most certainly will be there for anybody who needs it. But it does make me nervous. Oh, I and, love you know, it, dev. I, I do say a prayer for everybody that's like, you know, let them come when they're ready. But I hope that everybody finds their way into recovery if 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 that's where they feel they need to be. That's right. Dev, <laughs> yeah. how
0: can how can people um who want to reach out to you uh, how can they find you on Instagram? Can you tell us your handle?
1: Yes. So my Instagram is at dev underscore s-t-a underscore gram so at devstagram um my uh, on facebook my name is dev michael drawlinger d-r-o-l-l-i-n-g-e-r so they can reach out to me that way um but instagram is probably the easiest because i do i do tend to delete facebook every once in a while to give myself a little mental health break because that's another important thing like social media Yes. Less is more. <laughs> yes, less yes. is more. This is so
0: very true, absolutely. And uh, I have to tell you um, something about yourself, and and this is where we are like kindred spirits. You know, honestly, Dev. Even with you talk, the way your nuances, the 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 way your voice sound, it's so melodic, it's so soothing. It has such a southern undertone. I am intrigued by what you're saying, and you don't have to be drinking anything. So I want to boost your confidence in knowing that, Dev. Just just hearing you talk, I just want to sit down and listen uh-huh. to you speak. And even Chanel just said that. You That's know what right. I mean? So I, I mean, and honestly, I'm going to speak something into you into you, Dev. You have to start a podcast. I don't know when you want to do it, but you have to do it because the way you speak, Dev. Amen. The, the clarity and what you speak, your tone, you enunciate your words. You're great at narr- uh narration. You know, I don't know if you want to have a co-host, whatever you, but this is something I feel like is a platform for you. Yes, um, Absolutely. You're a teacher by nature, Dev. And I think that with your loving spirit, that I just pray that God just goes, go ahead and just uses you in that way. Um, and I, I, I just want to encourage you in that, but I see that for you, Deb.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I do. Well, I really do. I really, really I definitely, really do. I definitely agree.
1: You know, there's some. The, the thought has come across, I'm just waiting for, you know, the right time. So if y'all want to have absolutely. me on here as like a special guest once a month, I'm into it. I'll just, well, know. Amen. We're absolutely. into it too. Into absolutely. it too. No,
0: we're into it. Oh, we're absolutely, into it, okay? absolutely. <laughs> but Deb, I couldn't agree more. And You know what they say? You know, when two or three are gathered, okay? Yep. That's, confer- miss, and that's confirmation. Okay? You know. Yeah. So I, I definitely believe that that is definitely one of your um one of your gifts storytelling is definitely one of your gifts and your testimony is so so needed so needed even if you break it down on so many levels dev you will definitely touch many with your testimony with your story Mm -hmm. and because Mm -hmm. of your uh fever for god oh Mm. i i won't even i won't do it (laughs) i mean go off (laughs) It's it's, yep, girls. it's oh my god, it's 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 impactful. And if I yep. can feel it through, you know, just this phone, I know that even sitting next to you, it's powerful. You know, yep. and God is good and I I'm I'm just so proud of you. And I can't say that enough. I don't know you, but I know you.
1: <laughs> you do, Ooh, yeah.
0: Yep, yep. I know you and I want you to know that this will not be the last time that we connect. Um, God willing, we're going to have you on this show again and again, because if this is going to be the seed of purpose, then we're going to make sure you get to it and it's going to be activated right here on the Nell tell show.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm so into it. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I just, I love being able to, this gives me purpose. I mean, I believe that, that God yes. did not pluck me out of the pack and put me on the Ooh, journey come on, that I now went, that. To, went through come for no reason. So, like, I know that's right. I can't yeah. just be like a, a, you know, a drug addict and an alcoholic that doesn't have any, like, that was all for a reason. And I really on, believe that, that, that when I say, like, and, and some of my friends who are going to oh, listen to this that knew this. me before are going to really probably be shocked because I was not a spiritual person before. Mm. I was not somebody who uttered the word God. Who be- you Wow. Know, I, I wanted so badly to not believe in God, but I, I, I was raised, I wasn't raised Catholic, but I went to Catholic school for a little bit just because of they were the nicer schools. Um, yes. A lot of money there, but uh, besides the point, yes. <laughs> uh, but um, so I was, you know, introduced to that religion and I grew up believing that there was a heaven and there was a hell and things like that. You know, we don't have to get into the logistics, but so for a yes. long time, I wanted so badly to believe that there wasn't God, but I was afraid yes. to not believe in God just in case maybe there was a hell and I was going to go there yes. if I didn't believe. So like that yes. was in there a little bit. Yes, but but then somebody said to me, and it was my first sponsor in AA. Oops, sorry, my recovery program. um, uh, That said to me, Dev,
0: wherever you are, go somewhere else because you're breaking out. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, perfect.
1: So, um, it was my first um, sponsor in my recovery program that said to me when we were talking about my relationship with higher power. And I was like, I just, you know, I was struggling with believing. And, and he was like, who are you to say that there is no God? Who are you to say that there is no God? And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, who am I to say? Like, that's right. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> like, and, and, and I've yep. read something that's really stuck with me. And, and now, as I've worked my program, like, I'm a firm believer that there is something else out there. Call it whatever you want. Yep. But there is That's something right. else that is guiding us through this. Like we, this is not by mistake. This is not by That's mistake. That's
0: right. Yep.
1: But for a long time, what helped me find faith for anybody who's trying to, you know, change their mindset or, 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 have a new way of thinking was the idea of, I would rather live my whole life, believing that God is real to die and find out that it wasn't than to believe, live my whole life believing that God mm. was not real to then to die and find out that he was real. Mm. So <laughs> that, that helped me immensely. And now I don't care what happened. Cause I, you know, I have my own views of what happens to us when we shed this human form, but,
0: All right, but yep. I,
1: for a while, I used to tell myself that I would be like, you know what today, if I die today, I would rather just die believing that there is a God and just be a little disappointed when I, whatever happens to me happens and I find out there isn't one, then the opposite Then to sit here and try to denounce that there is a God, yep. only to be greeted by now. whatever God is on the other side and be like, oop, shit, I should have probably, there go. prayed a little bit more and said hello a little <laughs> bit more. Yep. Come on in here,
0: Dad. I love it. Well, guys, again, the conversation will always continue. You can follow us on Instagram at Neltel on everything. Um, You can also uh, visit us on our podcast uh, on YouTube, Neltel on everything. Uh, Yes, this has been a wonderful conversation. And guys, please feel free. uh, Reach out to Dev, friend him, because it's going to be more on the way with him. This concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, Nell tell on everything.